If you would, go ahead and be open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. That'll be the, the, the chapter that we're drawing our meeting from this week. As you turn there, a few things, uh, join in the welcome from Josh. It is uh, very encouraging to stand up here and look out and see the number of people who are here. You know, it's Saturday night and there's a, a ton of things that we could be doing, but none better than what we've chose to do. And your presence here shows your priorities and your devotion to the Lord and to spiritual things, and it's very encouraging to, to stand up here and look out. With that said, most of the time when I fill in to preach, now would be the time that I would apologize that you showed up looking to hear Josh, but or having to hear me, but I have this as proof. My name's on there. It said exactly the time and date and my name, so there is no apology. You knew exactly what you were getting into when, when you showed up, but it is, it's going to be a good weekend. It started out last night with with Luke, uh, just one more thing before we we dive in here. Uh, now this is five different men, five different lessons. There's going to be verses. There's going to be some topics, some phrases, some points that are kind of overlapped and rebrought up, and verses that you might have heard last night that you might hear again tonight. Verses that you hear tonight, you may hear tomorrow. And some points are going to be. Similar, there's been a lot of talk between the guys, and we're trying to attack this thing in, in many different angles. So if you do hear something that you think you've heard, let's not look at it as repetitive things, but look at it as things of real importance, things that the church and as individual Christians we need to focus on. But with all that said, let's, uh, let's go to work here. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verses... One, going through three, there's five qualities or characteristics mentioned here. The lesson for these gospel meetings is based on these five virtues and how they influence the the unity of the local church. These virtues or qualities, characteristics, should without a doubt be evident in our daily lives, in our daily walk with the Lord, but the lessons are kind of geared more towards the dealings and how they influence the unity of the local church. We'll find as we read that 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 was the point that Paul was expressing here was, you know, to the local church there and the unity. So hopefully that's what we'll get out of tonight's lessons and this weekend. Let's start in verse 1 in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, How therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Last night, my good buddy Luke started this off with humility. He started his lesson off kind of talking about that whole walking worthy and what that meant. If you wasn't here last night or you have bad memory, you know, just real quick, what that means. You know, when somebody says, hey, you need to walk to the store, and you just sit in the recliner, what's happening? Nothing. So when it says to walk, that means there has to be action. There has to be doing. There has to be action taking place. And it says to walk worthy, that means there's a standard there. A standard that we must walk to, that our actions must meet up to. And those that, that worthy, that standard is not my own eyes, other people's eyes. That standard has been set, and that's God's standard. And that's the only thing that we're 
walking worthy to, to, to please God. So Luke started out last night with humility. Tonight we're going to hit the second one, which is gentleness. We are going to uh, attack this thing from really five different angles. A look at gentleness in the Scripture. We're going to define what it is, what it is not. Briefly look at how gentleness impacts our our daily lives, and then focus a little more time on how it affects the church. And then we'll close with our greatest example of gentleness that we're going to find in our Savior. You go ahead and uh, look at gentleness in the Scripture. Colossians 3 and verse 12. It says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering." A lot of... Uh, Versions are going to use meekness in the place of gentleness. Those words kind of just, you know, the same thing. So yours may say meekness, some of them may say gentleness. Another one we find is Galatians 5, chapter 20, or verse 22. Galatians 5 and 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. We find that word again, gentleness, as part of you know the, the fruit of the spirit. We find it again in Second Timothy, chapter two, and verse twenty-four. It says, "And the servant of the Lord must not be strife, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and patient." That's just three that I pulled out. There's there's many more. There's uh, we can find this word throughout. Old Testament, New Testament, but these are three that I think we relate to and we kind of know those settings of those scriptures. But I think we can clearly see that gentleness is to be part of our lives. That God demands it to be a quality that that we put in. But I wonder if we ever really showed gentleness the right time of, of day. And I ask that because, you know, a I've heard and I've said myself uh, things like, I need to work on my patience. I need to work on my humility. I need to work on my hospitality. I've said those things. I've heard those things. But I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say, I need to work on my gentleness. I've just, I've never really heard it. So that leads me to believe either one of two things. Either we've got this virtue or this quality nailed down. We know exactly what it is, how to use it. Or we really don't understand what it is and the importance of it. So tonight, hopefully, as we study, that we'll see that you know, a gentleness is a, is a characteristic that God demands in our lives. And it is very important. Hopefully we'll see that importance. It'll make us want to know more about it and how it impacts our daily life and the church. So let's ask the question, what is gentleness? As I looked up definitions, the first one I come to, and probably the most common when you put in this word, it is the quality of being kind. That's kind of the generic, the, the most popular but as I looked at that, I wasn't real sure if that's the definition that that I was looking for. That's kind of just a generic definition. So I went and I, I kept searching for one. I found another one that said the quality of, of being careful. 
And I thought, well, that's that's kind of getting us closer and closer to, to where we can draw what the meaning of Ephesians 4 is. But I kept digging and I found one that said, you know, it was the, the opposite of, of roughness. I thought, well, that kind of helps clear up what this word really is and what it means. And then I found one that to me really nails it down and helped me to understand what this is. And it was the proper outward handling or display of inward emotions. And kind of remember that as we go through this study, the proper outward handling or display of inward emotions. See, we're all made with different emotions. We have joy, we have happiness, we have excitement, we have anger, disappointment. We battle these things every day. We're made in the image of God. We see these same emotions through the characters of God and through our Savior Christ. These same emotions. These emotions are triggered by different situations. And that's where gentleness comes in. How do we handle these emotions during these different situations? The inside each one of us is the ability to to edify, to build up, to encourage, to teach, to, to raise up. And also in the side each one of us is the ability to, to tear down, to destroy, to rip apart, to you know mess up. We can do that to individuals, to people, to relationships, and yes, we can even destroy the church through mishandling of, of emotions. And that's that's kind of where gentleness comes in. You might be here and thinking, you know, all these things are the same thing. All these things are, you know, love, humility, patience, it's, it's all the same. And where, yes, these things are all kind of tied and linked together in a way, each one is a totally different virtue. We see these listed many times throughout Scripture of put on this and this and this and this. Those things are different. Yes, they're all tied together, but they're, they're, each one is a standalone virtue. And each one is different in how it affects our lives and our work. I'm going to, I asked permission last night from Cain, but I'm going to use his topic for just a second to, to tie this link. He's going to preach Sunday night on love to, to finish off this series. And you might think... Mitchell, you can use, you know, you can handle situations with love, gentleness, and it's it's the same thing. Well, it's really not. See, we handle situations with gentleness because of love. Love is the inward emotion. Gentleness is the outward display of that emotion. That's how these things work. So that's kind of what gentleness is. Let's talk about what it is not. I think this is, figuring out what it's not is just as important as figuring out what it is. And the first thing, gentleness is not weakness. It's actually totally opposite. Gentleness is strength under control. Moses was called the meekest man ever. Do we look at Moses as some weak, puny little individual? Absolutely not. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, and we're going to use that set of scriptures numerous times throughout the night, so 
Remember that, Matthew 11, Christ says of Himself, Learn of Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Do we look at Jesus, our Savior, as some puny little man that's you know, weak? I sure hope not. We find that gentleness is, is totally not weakness. Sometimes we think of that word gentle, and we think of, well, that's going to make me a pushover, or weak, or... You know, people run over me. That, that is not what it means. That is not what gentleness is. And if you haven't really heard or paid attention or remembered anything I've said to this point, please remember that gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is not an excuse to, to stop our work. We are called to, to do work for the Lord in the service and the kingdom of God. That work sometimes is difficult. Situations arise that are difficult. They trigger those emotions. We cannot say, you know, I need to be gentle, so I don't want to kind of rough. I don't want to be rough or mishandle things, so I'm just going to do nothing. That's that's not okay. We find that in the example of the church at Laodicea. That's kind of where they were at. They were just sitting there, and God said it made him sick at his stomach. We can't just we can't just sit idle. We cannot stop our work. We cannot uh, start to tolerate sin. We cannot uh, stop spreading the gospel to lost just because of the fear of mishandling situations and, and being considered rough. Gentleness will not stop us from our work, but will actually help us to achieve that work in the kingdom of God. And I'm about to draw a comparison or an example out of something that I never dreamed I would, but I think this absolutely... Nails the point down. And that's from a washing machine. I know I've used it a few times. But on a washing machine, you have a, a dial that's got different settings. You got normal, casual. You know, in my house, you got the one that sounds like a helicopter, the one that sounds like an airplane. You got the one that it moves as it, you know. <laughs> You got all those different settings, but on there you just kind of see maybe to the right there's one that says delicates, not delegates. I had a long conversation about that. There is a difference between delicate and delicate. But uh, you have one that says delicates. Underneath it, it says gentle. So you can go home if you've never tried it. I don't know if I've ever, you know, I put them in this one button. I don't even know what it's doing. I put the clothes in, I hit the same button every time, it don't matter if it's expensive, a towel, it don't matter, it's, it's the same thing, and that's the helicopter. But you, you go home, you put your washing machine on the gentle cycle, and you see what happens. I can promise you one thing that's not going to happen, unless your washing machine is tore up, is that washing machine is not going to just sit there and do nothing. It's not going to say, well, they put me in gentle mode, so I'm just going to sit here and stay idle and do nothing. What's the problem with that? The clothes ain't getting clean. The laundry's not getting done. You go home, you put your dirty clothes in there, and you put it on the gentle cycle, you're hitting the button, the washing machine is going to work. It's going to do the job. It's going to remove the, the stains. But it's just going to be careful how it does it. It's not going to go into full helicopter mode. It's going to just slowly, gently... Do the work that's asked of it. The Christian life is the same way. 
You know, we're called to do work. We're called to, to be examples and to remove the dirty laundry. And we can't just say, well, we got to be gentle, so we're just going to sit still. No, we have to do the work. we just got to be careful of how we do it. And in the end result, when you put your clothes in there, you put it on gentle cycle, you run the cycle through, most of the time, you pull your clothes out and the job's done. Christian life is the same way. We have to continue to, to work and use gentleness as a tool and not an excuse. <clears throat> Let's talk about uh, the gentleness in our, in our daily lives. We talked earlier about being filled with, with different emotions. And how different situations trigger those emotions. And that cycle happens every day. You know, that cycle repeats itself every day. Emotions, situations, all that. It's just a never-ending cycle. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, tells us that we're to be an example to those around us. The things that we do, the things we say, how we say them, how we act, all has a impact on those we come in contact with. Anybody have an idea of who that is? If you do, see me after, because I'm going to buy you a cookie or something. This is my comic book relation that I have in all my lessons. That is Bruce Banner. He's a comic book hero. He is a scientist, extremely smart. He's considered, if you read comic books, uh, to be a stand-up guy, a good guy. Brings a lot of quality a lot of, of good things to the world that he lives in. The problem with Bruce is that when he gets upset, he turns into a, a huge green monster known as the Incredible Hulk. Anytime his heart gets to beating fast and he gets in situations where he loses control and gets upset or gets angry, gets frustrated, he goes from that good quality guy to this monster. The only thing that Incredible Hulk can do, if you've watched movies or read the comic books, is he smashes things. That's what he does. He brings destruction. How many of us fit this same exact profile? We bring so many good qualities and can do so many good things, but when these emotions get triggered, we lose all control. And we just become a monster. The only thing that we're good for is to destroy the things we come in contact with. Relationships, teaching opportunities. I mean, the list can go on and on. Because we can't use gentleness. <clears throat> Matthew 21, 12-13. I think this is a good spot to... To bring out that emotion is not bad in itself. We see here in Matthew chapter 21 verses 12 through 13 that Jesus Christ himself was angry. We see God's anger all throughout the New Testament, the Old Testament. And we know that these emotions in themselves are, they're not bad. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 tells us, be ye angry and sin not. We don't need to, to hide our anger. We don't need to suppress it. We don't need to ignore it. We need to deal with it. Ephesians also tells us there that, you know, don't go let the sun go down on your wrath. Deal with it. Don't, don't hide it. Don't bottle it up. Don't, you know, put it away. But when we're angry, we should be angry over sin and the things that take place. Anger is, is an emotion that 
we should feel. And all these emotions are okay, but we must handle them with gentleness, being careful how we express them. A few ways where gentleness impacts our daily lives. You know, once again, these are just a few. We could spend, you know, lesson after lesson on these. But these are just a few that I think hit us daily. When teaching the lost, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 tells us to go teach the lost, to spread the gospel. When we teach those around us, we must use gentleness. Some people are going to to provoke us. They're going to poke at us. They're going to say things and try to discourage us as we try to teach. Uh, some people are not going to listen to, to anything. You, you open the Bible and start teaching. They're going to just you know completely ignore you. Those things trigger those emotions. And these difficult situations arise, we must remain in control and use gentleness as a tool to teach. We can't go off the handle and, and lose control and, and get upset because we lose that, that opportunity, that example. Another one we can find when standing against sin and for the truth. Ephesians 6 and 11 and verse 13 talks about putting on the armor of God and to stand. Opportunities every day are going to arise in our lives where we have to stand for the truth and stand against sin. You know, we can't do that in a, in a, in a rage. We have to remain controlled, use gentleness as a tool to, to stand for the truth, to show courage while being gentle, that's a true testament of strength and power. I think of many of the great people of the Bible, but Joshua comes to mind. And, you know, Joshua 24 and 15, when he stood up and stood for the truth, you know, what courage and power and strength that showed, but what gentleness it was, the way he handled it. And many great men and women of the Old Testament, we see that stand for truth and that power and that courage and that that faith in God, but we see it done all wrapped in gentleness. <clears throat> when we stand for the truth today, we must be the same way. We must use courage and faith and strength and power, but we must wrap all that up in gentleness. The proper display of, of all those inward emotions. And thirdly and finally, we see when we are persecuted for our service to God. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 10, he says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. To serve God does not mean a life of ease and a life of just, you know, flowers and, and daisies and stuff. It's, it means a life of, of hardships, of persecutions, of being made fun of, of being singled out, of being unpopular. And when we're persecuted in those ways, our emotions are running wild. You know, it's not easy to sit there and have people make fun of you. We're going to see later on in that great example of Jesus, how he retaliated. But that's not easy to sit there and to take persecution. But as a child of God and to walk in that worthy manner, we have to stand against those persecutions and do it with gentleness. Don't be pushed over, don't be ran over, don't be intimidated, but stand for the truth, stand against persecution, and do it in gentleness, the right way. That's just, once again, a few ways that I think gentleness touches our daily lives. Let's talk about the gentleness in the church. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, 
like a bull in a china shop. Have you ever thought about the, the hitting meaning of that? I hope you really didn't spend a lot of time because there's no hidden meaning. Basically, it's simple. You put a big old bull in a shop full of glass and you know china, you got destruction and you got a mess. It's, the, the meaning's simple. The church is the most sacred establishment that has ever been created. The bride to Jesus Christ. We see the love, the authority in which Christ founded it. You know, think about the church, a group of baptized believers who are serving together in the work of our Father, worshiping, praising God together, encouraging one another in service and, you know, building one another, edifying one another, helping another, each other. And while that is so strong and powerful, a church is also very fragile in the fact that one individual or a group of individuals who can't use gentleness to handle situations can completely just wreak havoc and easily become a bull in a china shop. So we're going to talk the remainder of the lesson for a few minutes about some of these situations that might arise in the church where gentleness must be showed and, and, and shown in our actions. The first one is when dealing with babes in Christ. First Peter 2 and 2 talks about as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and 7, we see that Paul in his dealings with the church at Thessalonica was gentle as a mother nursing his child. A newborn babe in Christ is exactly that. It's a newborn babe. We uh, new converts, sometimes they don't understand, sometimes they don't know, sometimes they may speak out when they're not right, sometimes they may struggle to understand. Uh, there can be several things, but when dealing with those, gentleness must be used can't go to a new convert that's been baptized for two weeks and maybe misunderstands or maybe says something that is not completely accurate or, you know, misinterpreted. You can't go to that individual and say, what do you do? You know, you're so wrong. That's not how you, you know, that's not how you, no. That's what's going to happen. That newborn is going to kind of just, you know, I don't want no part of this. Dealing with newborn, you know, babes in Christ is, is the same as dealing with a newborn baby. You know, you, you try to give the baby formula or something and it spits it up or don't take the bottle or you're going to take it and just shake it and throw it around and say, you know, what do you do? Or you try to teach a three-week-old the ABCs and it don't pick up on it right away. Are you going to get mad and furious and, you know, say, what's wrong with you? No, we're not. We know that that newborn baby has to grow and digest things at a slower pace and slowly grow and, and, and mature. The, the child of God's the same way. We have to, to help and to encourage and to, to build up and to bring that newborn child of Christ up just as a newborn baby in, the, in our physical sense. When dealing with Christ, with babes in Christ, gentleness has got to be the characteristic that we show. Another one, 
I wasn't sure how to, to put this on here to make it make sense, but I put with encouraging our, our brethren. But uh, say a, a brother messes up on an act of worship. Maybe the song was led too slow or too fast or pitched at the wrong key or started off wrong or timing was bad or gentleman doing the Lord's Supper grabs the wrong one at the wrong time or maybe during a prayer a brother freezes up and you know maybe miss says some words or gets confused and you know somebody gets up and you know we're, we're talking about Ephesians but says you know first chronicles all night or you know situations like that and it may be something needs to be said to that individual to to correct him maybe we just need to Overlook it, and I ain't going to step on that because that's coming tomorrow. But, you know, when we handle those situations, how do we do it? A a young man that's waiting on the table or doing these things, and, you know, do we go to him and say, Hey, I noticed you said the wrong thing up there. Or, Hey, you, you led that song wrong. That's terrible, man. That sounded awful. I mean, is that using gentleness? Is that... Taking emotions and, and handling things the right way. What's that young guy going to do next time his name's called to lead singing? He's going to surpass. I don't want no part of it because Mitchell sitting up there like a hawk waiting on him to, you know, that's that's not gentleness. When we encourage these these guys, and you know, if if you've never stood in front of a congregation and done an act of worship, you don't know, realize how difficult it is. It don't matter if it's you know, doing announcements. I would rather, I've said this numerous times, I would rather Josh come up to me a minute before his lesson and say, you got to preach, I need to leave, as to say, hey, you got to do the announcements this week. This, nothing up here is easy. It is difficult to stand in front of a group of people and lead them in spiritual things. So we need to handle and encourage these brethren in, in careful ways, making sure that we don't point out things that are, that are, Really, not important. And the things that are important and that need to be addressed, we do it with gentleness, the right way. The third thing I got is in Bible class. Maybe a question is asked that's from left field and you ain't got a clue what's the backing behind it or where it's going or what's happening. Uh, maybe, you know, something's brought up and you don't understand or you disagree. Maybe me and Luke don't see eye to eye on the things. You know, a lot of that can take place in, in Bible class or in just in Bible studies in general. How do we handle those situations? If Luke says something that I don't agree with and I, I need to talk to him, do I just go up to him and get right in his face and say, Hey man, you you so off. You're you're off. You know, that is not right, that's not you know, or I go to him and say, hey, we need to talk. You know, I, there's a misunderstanding. We're not seeing eye to eye. That's gentleness. Not flying out in rage and standing up and saying, you know, hey, you're, you're, that's, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's, those kind of things is not gentleness. Those kind of things blow situations up. <clears throat> Issues like that that are not handled quickly in the right way are, are just bombs waiting 
to explode. And when they explode, it causes chaos throughout the church. I think it's, it's key to say here that we cannot just stand for false teaching. They are situations and times where correction needs to be brought up or an individual needs to be took aside and said, hey, you know, there are times where that has to take place. Not all the time, but they are times. And those situations need to be handled the exact same way, with gentleness, you know, carefully, not in rage and emotional, but handled the right way. A fourth thing, and we're getting ready, I think, to, to head in this direction here at Lakeside. During the, the process of appointing elders, this is a situation that's going to cause a, a need a lot of gentleness from everybody that's, that's part of Lakeside. You say, well, why? That's not too hard of a thing. Maybe... An individual's name gets put forward as a nomination for an elder that you don't agree with. That's a tough situation. Or maybe, you know, you're an individual that thinks you should be nominated, but your name don't get put forward. How are you going to feel? Those are two situations that on the surface could be very tricky. A lot of emotion there. How do we handle that situation? We handle it with gentleness. You go to that individual and you say, hey, we need to talk. You know, we need to sit down and, you know, I, I got this concern. As that individual that comes to, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, we need to talk, I'm not sure how you retaliate. What do you, what do you, what do you mean? You don't think I, I mean, no. You use the gentleness. You say, okay, let's sit down and talk. And you work those differences out. You handle that situation, that tricky situation, and gentleness is the tool that you do it with. Uh, another part of this, once we get past that point and we have elders, First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3, the ESV version says, these men must not be violent but gentle. As an elder, I, I can give no advice because I'm, I've never been there. But I can guarantee you gentleness has to be used in the life of an elder, in the work of an elder. It's a characteristic that must be found. The Bible plainly says it there. An elder must be gentle, not violent. You're going to handle your flock by going out there and grabbing them and, you know, hey, you know, that's, that's not gentle. That's, that's the opposite of is, is roughness. And if an elder uses that kind of means to try to shepherd the flock... It's going to be chaos. There's going to be individuals saying, I don't want no part of this. As elders, as men serving elders, and as men who are longing to one day be elders, gentleness must be a characteristic that we put on and that we work on and we grow in. Another one, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering their self, lest thou also be tempted. When restoring an erring brother or sister, we have to use, guess what? Gentleness. It says it right there in Galatians 6 and 1. 
When we know that an individual is in sin and needs help and needs brought out and needs taught, do we go to that individual and we, you know, hey, you, you know, you're going to hell. You got, you know, you know, you're, or do we, we go to them and say, hey, we need to talk. You know, it's gentleness is, is really easy when you, when you think about it. It's easy in concept, very difficult in practice because of those emotions. You know, if a, a brother or sister has, has maybe wronged you personally, how do we handle that situation? That's another time that that situation has to be dealt with because if not, it's just that bull in the china shop just waiting to, to make a mess and to, and to spread chaos and you know, to explode. It has to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with by those individuals. It needs to be dealt with with the right attitude and with gentleness. Working through those things, helping each other, praying with one another, and getting through through these issues. When restoring a, an erring brother or sister, we must use gentleness. And the last one I got is when church discipline is required. Go to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three. When we have took all measures. We've done everything that we know to do to bring an erring brother or sister back to the fold, and it just simply will not work. There comes a time, and we do have scripture for it to back it, where the church must take discipline actions and withdraw from that individual. And when we do this, that's a very emotional time. There's nothing easy about it, there's nothing happy about it. It's a very sad, emotional time. And when we do this, it's it's not to embarrass or to, you know, it's out of love and we do it with gentleness to to bring this individual back and hope and pray that they realize the condition they're in and that they want to change and and they they come back to the fold. But then uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it says, If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So in this dealings, we're not going to this individual to, you know, to cast him out and say, you know, we're done with you. You're, you know, we're doing this out of love and, and to encourage and to hopefully bring back, not to make an enemy. And we do that out of gentleness, the right Handling of all those emotions. Once again, that's these situations are just ones that I, you know, thought of. Some help with Josh, you know, but things that I think we face and can face very easily. There's several more. The church is filled with individuals. Those individuals are filled with emotions. Those emotions get triggered through different situations. So there's always going to be things that arise that, you know, are are problematic or could be problematic. There's always going to be things take place. We don't always know what they are, but we do know how we are handled. And that's with gentleness. The Bible plainly tells us that. It don't tell us all the problems we might encounter, but it does tell us how to, to attack those problems. 
And gentleness is one of the tools that, that we must do. And as Luke pointed out last night, and, and showed Christ is the greatest example of humility, we're going to end our lesson tonight looking at the same thing. You want to look at gentleness and find out what it is? It's painted as clear as day through the life of Jesus Christ. We've already discussed Matthew 11 and 28 through 29 where Jesus says, Learn of me, for I am gentle. He said, uh, we, we see Christ showed gentleness throughout all of His life. I can think of different scenarios that I kind of come to, to think of and where the Scripture doesn't plainly say gentleness, I think we can rest assured and be very you know, prominent that Christ used gentleness during these scenarios. And I thought of you know, three. Luke 18, verse 34, when He was teaching the apostles and they didn't always quite understand where He was going or what He meant by some of His teachings. And they would ask Him, you know, Lord, we, we don't understand. Not once did we ever see where Jesus retaliated and made fun of them and called them names and degraded them and said, you know, y'all are a bunch of losers. I'm tired of this. You don't ever understand. We never see that. When the apostles didn't understand exactly what Christ was meaning in His teachings, we can rest assured that all He done was continue to do the will of the Father and continue to teach them, and He done it with gentleness. In uh, Mark chapter 12, 13 through 27, the Pharisees there were asking tricky questions, trying to, to catch Jesus off guard and to trick him and to make him say something that was wrong or inaccurate or kind of, you know, was just being like some people are. We never see Jesus, you know, we, we do see him answer in stern and powerful and direct ways, no doubt about it. But every time he answered in those ways, you can guarantee it, it was wrapped in gentleness. Stern, powerful, direct, but it was with gentleness. The right way. Controlling his emotions. And I think the greatest example of this is found in Luke 23 and verse 34. That when facing death on that cross, he had been spit on, he had been made fun of, he had thorns placed on his head and drove in, he had been mistreated, beaten. He was hungry. He was thirsty. And what was one of his last words? Did he did he retaliate in anger? Did he retaliate in you know fury and just he could have he could have come off that cross and made every individual there pay for what they had done to him. But he shows the greatest example of gentleness when he says, "Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do." That. Is strength under control. That is the very definition of gentleness. That's our Savior, and that is the greatest example we have of what this really is. That when we're emotionally, you know, are flying all over the place, and, and we're struggling, and we're upset, and we may be a little angry or whatever, that we have control enough to look back and handle every situation as our Savior did, and that's with gentleness. And we see that there in Luke 23, 34. This is the perfect example. I mean, think about it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the last things he said. That's, that's powerful. 
Let's go back to Matthew chapter 11 there. We've mentioned it several times. And we're going to finish there. Matthew chapter 11, beginning verse 28. He says, Come unto me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. That is the invitation of our Savior right there. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That's our Lord and Savior pleading to those that don't know Him. And what uh, offering eternal rest, eternal peace. You know, we fill our lives with so many different things today trying to find peace. Money, wealth, possession, popularity. That list goes on and on. True rest, as Jesus is talking about here, true peace comes only in salvation through Jesus Christ. John chapter 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man cometh to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to get true eternal rest and peace for our souls. That's salvation through Him. If you're here and you never obeyed the gospel, ask yourself, why not tonight? Why not Take hold of this eternal peace, of this rest that Jesus is offering. If you're here and you've been a child of God, but you vary from the faith, you have a chance tonight to come forth. Maybe gentleness has not been a characteristic that you've used in dealings and situations in the past, and you want to start over. But let's go forth here at the Church of Lakeside, using gentleness not as an excuse or as weakness or whatever, but as a tool to help us achieve our goals and service for the kingdom of God. If you're subject in any way, please come as we stand and as we sing.